Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Okay, welcome everybody. We're back here with another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Uh, this is Dennis Burns. I'm actually I'm at the Northeast Research Station this afternoon, uh, sitting here. Um, RL came down this morning. We flew some uh, drone UAVs and took some images for Dr. Josh Copes. We spent a couple hours doing, I think, what four different tests. RL, RL, there. Yeah, four, four, four different tests for him. And I'm in Madison today. Yeah, you are. You're in your office in Madison. You know, you left here and. And you were going to take off, and then I told you not to go by your office. I know. You just did I know, but you know that, that silly USDA crop progress report we have to do every Friday. Yeah, well, you know, you're just, you're just dedicated. And Kylie's off today. She's she's babysitting today, I think. I think she told me she was babysitting. Uh, yeah, she's practicing. Yeah, she's practicing. She'll, she'll get plenty of, plenty of practice after November, so we'll... Uh, <laughs> she'll, uh, anyway, she's... Uh, She's not here today to join into us, but we will have. Now I will tell you this. Now, now you're going to be gone next week, but she and I are going to do. We're going to do a video next week with Dr. Boyd Pageant, um, and we're going to talk about harvest aids on soybeans, timing. Hey, that that ought to be cool. You know, we're going. Um, I think it's Monday or Tuesday. We're going to meet him and look at some beans and find some beans that, and figure out and kind of show everybody what to look for. And you'll see that coming out, and uh, it'll give you something to watch while you're on vacation. There you go. If yeah. I got internet where I'm at, yeah, that's, you know, well, let's hope so. But anyway, yeah. not if yeah. not, you can watch it before you spray your beans. So, yeah. um, harvest is cranked up. I know y'all are cutting corn. We cutting corn. We're cutting soybeans down here. Um, you heard any yields yet? Uh, yeah, I've heard some anywhere the two to two forties. And then up in East Carroll, I've heard some under 100 on some really bad conditions. So it's yeah. going to be all over the board. Uh, haven't heard anybody just fall out mad yet with the bad yields. Yeah, it's, uh, I've heard uh, 190 on corn, uh, some little little worse, a little better. Yeah. Not much better, most of it. It's, it's, but surprisingly, some beans were cut. First part of last week, cut in the seventy yeah. cut in the seventies. Wow! And they were planted the middle of March. Uh, well, I've seen some beans right up on the parish line uh, that's been sprayed. I figure two weeks, but they haven't been cut as of this morning. Yeah. Well, um, we've had. I think there'll be. I think there's some beans being cut in Tinsall today. Uh, yeah. There were several thousand acres in. Concord, South Concordia, especially that were ready, that were being cut now. I think, uh, but I was I was pleased with these. They look good all year. I was a little concerned middle of March. I was a little concerned about it. Yeah, not so concerned yeah. anymore. Well, all the beans I've looked at this year look really good. They're loaded top to bottom. Plenty of three and four bean pods. Unless uh, something unforeseen happens, I'm expecting a really good bean harvest to kind of pick up some of this lower-end corn. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hope so, and let's hope we have a dry fall. I know we still need some rain on some soybeans and some cotton. Hey, man, we got lucky last night. You know, yesterday morning you called. I was looking at some beans. We were trying to make a decision about irrigating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
not. He he had just said, you know, he said, I think I'm going to wait till Monday, see what happens over the weekend. I said, you're in good shape. You know, you're not hurt yet. Yeah. Uh, we got four plus inches on them last night, so I Ooh. think we okay. Oh yeah, I think you'll last a while. I know one farmer told me. They, that, you know, they 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 two to three weeks from from finishing, so that'll carry him on out. Yeah. Well, I know I had one farmer tell me that he had some cotton. He's never rolled pipe on, and after we got two inches last week, he said, "I'm not rolling pipe out." He said, "I'm too far along." He said, I think it cost me more money to water them and caused me more damage. So I'm not doing it. But, um, but it, and, and I've got a, I've got an irrigation sensor out uh, on our the cotton variety trial, on-farm variety trial. They have a roll pipe on it, and I looked at it a couple of days ago, and it's nowhere near needing water. So yeah. Well, you know, I, I think what I'm going to start doing next year, mm-hmm. after five years' experience with this, I think I'm going to start putting a charge on my surge valves and moisture sensors mm-hmm. when I install them. Yeah. Half of what it would have cost you to irrigate. Well, you know. Because <laughs> we put them for the last five years, we've yeah. not been able to use them because they get plenty of rain. Well, that's true. I, yeah, I think the most, in that trial we did several years ago, that multi-state thing, I think the most we ever watered was three times. You know, so we need to do that. That's uh, used to be a consultant. We need some money, so that'd be a money maker. Well, I mean, uh, I've got three surge valves sitting beside the wells that have never been hooked up. They said, you come get them anytime you're ready. Yeah, well, you know, they're, uh, it's funny the way it is. It's We're supplemental irrigation. There's no way, to, unless we get in a bad drought, we're supplemental irrigation. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, well, we got, we're going to talk about something different, something that's coming up today. We got two good interviews. Two very interesting interviews, and uh, we're going to talk about cover crops. Uh, I talked to Dr. Josh Copes this morning here at the station. We talked about cover crops. Uh, that was before you got here. Uh, right. Y'all had took care of that before I got to the station. Yeah, and what we talked about it with was the focus was cover crops are not a, they're not a stepchild crop. You need to treat them like a, just like you would corn or cotton or soybeans. You you get out of them what you put in, the purpose of them, what your purpose is, how you want to plant them, how you want to handle them. We talked about that. He was a really good. He's got some good thoughts on it. And uh, weed control, different different ideas of what people are looking for with them. Um, Great. And then I talked to Dr. Naveen. Ashmili. But anyway, he's oh, he is. He's great. And he's, you know, he's a good economist. He's an ag economist with the yes. LSU Ag Center. And uh, he uh, he's going to talk about short-term returns. You know, we, we put in a cover crop, and we know cover crops are good three to five years down the road, but we got to survive till then. So he's yeah. going to talk about returns, you know, until then. So, very good. He's he's got some good ideas and he's got some really good information. So, does and I don't want to spoil the interview because I haven't heard it. But I'm gonna ask one question before you get it. Y'all get into that. Okay. You know, my observation with cover crops and I like them. You and I discuss them all the time. But if it wasn't for the NRCS money, how many folks would be planting them? Is it economical without the NRCS money to stay in there? Actually, you'll be surprised as to how e- how good how economical it is. 
Okay. It's uh, he's he's got some real numbers they've worked on. They've got several years data to back them up. Several locations, and uh, he's got some good hard numbers. And it's surprising once you take out the cost of the planting, the seed, the planting, and all that, and um, you come out ahead. So he's got some real numbers. So we'll leave it at that. So. Very good, yeah. All right. Well, um, let's go to them, and uh, we all sit and listen, and you and we'll talk um, when we get through with interviews. Got Dr. Josh Copes here today. It's coming up time to plant cover crops, if you're thinking about it. And what we're going to talk about today is the fact that cover crops are, can serve a variety of purposes, be it erosion control, be it weed control, be it uh, soil health, building soil health. What do you need to, you know, what do you need to do? All those things go into it. We're going to talk about it treating cover crops just like you would a cash crop, planning-wise, what's coming up, what you're going to do, everything that goes into it. And uh, Josh, tell us a little bit about what we need to do. I mean, this is, we're coming up, corn harvest is starting. Corn fields obviously will be the first things that, if you want to plant something. Thanks, Mr. Dennis. Yeah, with corn already starting to get out of the field now, it is definitely time to be, to begin planting what cover crops you want to plant. And I guess the first stage of planting is deciding what you want to accomplish with your cover crop. Good thing with corn, getting you out so early, we can plant our cover crop early if we have time to ensure we get some good growth during the fall, especially if we're trying to conserve beds, integrity, and so forth going into the winter. Um, the next one would be what crop am I going to plant in this field? What cash crop am I going to plant? And with that in mind, you might want to say if I'm going to plant corn the next year, I probably wouldn't want to grow a legume or a lot of a legume because we're not going to have enough time in the spring probably to, to allow for a lot of growth mm -hmm. to benefit from the nitrogen production side of things. So a mixture of a cereal and a legume is probably could be a good choice there, you know, depending on what you're trying to accomplish again. Yeah. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's back up on corn here. Okay, let's say we're going to plant, we've got corn in the field, we're fixing to harvest corn, and more than likely, most everybody rotates pretty good. I mean, they do a really good job of rotation, either to cotton or beans. And so that's going to influence what we got. But we're cutting corn, today is August the 9th. We're cutting corn, we'll come in and shred the stalks, and we may disc it and rehip the rows, we may just rehip the rows. We got a long time between now and frost. What about pigweed? Today, what about pigweed? And then going, say, late October, what about ryegrass coming up? What do we need to do to, to, I mean, we can go out and plant them. I mean, we go out and we just pull the rows back up and we stir it up a whole new seed bed and we've got pigweed coming up. What are we going to do? And we got a cover crop coming up. What are we going to do? Well, that's a good question. And... Having pigweeds is definitely going to complicate the matter when planting cover crops early, but that's where I would lean toward a, a cereal crop when you would have some of your oxen-type herbicides to help with contending or killing the new flush of pigweeds after you till and plant your cover crop. And with being we did plant it early, we'll get enough growth on it pretty quick. 
depending on the seeding rate, of course, and to get a good ground mm -hmm. coverage and prevent further pigweed from germinating and emerging. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's because, I mean, it's a serious problem, and we've harped on it for years. You have, other weed scientists have. We cut the corn, we row it up, disc it, whatever you do to it, your bed preparation for the next year, and you leave it, and then all of a sudden you look out there and there's a, a pigweed that's a foot tall and it's already made seed. Oh, yeah. 30 days from seed to seed. And so, <clears throat> and it's a long time. There's more than, there's a couple 30 days between now and frost. Hmm. And then, now, but then to back up, because here, here, we have Italian ryegrass, resistant to Roundup. And it's resistant to clethodum in some fields. So that's a serious issue for us. And, and it will the grass, the cereal crop, prevent the ryegrass from coming up? Ryegrass typically begins emerging from around November, late October. Just kind of, that's usually one of one of our bigger flushes are, but it can come up in September, I guess. Uh, the only thing we could do there, and we have done some research here at the station, myself, Dr. Miller, and Dr. Stevenson, we were evaluating some fall residual herbicide mm -hmm. applied with a cover crop. And one week after emergence, we looked at two ounces of Zidua, and We didn't have a lot of ryegrass where we looked at it, but Zidua or pyroxysulfone is, is excellent at controlling ryegrass. But... If ryegrass has already emerged at the time of planting the cover, then Zidua is not going to pick it up or pyroxysulfone or, or using dual. Um, so it's important to start clean when you plant your cover crop. Okay. Well, okay, well, let's go back to you just said that the ryegrass won't come up till about late October, November. If we get, say we go out and we plant, we pull our beds up and we've got a good, strong, Let's just say oats. Oats are fairly cheap, uh, and the, we're all we're concerned is is uh, keeping our beds together. We've pulled our rows. Uh, we re we spread the oat seed. We rehipped it and we rolled it, and now it's October the thirtieth. We've got a nice, pretty green row. Is is the ryegrass going to come up through that? More than likely, yes. Oh, uh, now that's no, that's not good. No. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I don't think we'd have a good enough stand to prevent it, but good news is the oats are going to be very competitive with it if they get established first. Mm -hmm. Ryegrass, it's a very competitive weed, and it does throw kinking overall burn down in Louisiana and others. Uh, <clears throat> well, that's... Uh... And that's that's kind of where you know I mean all these things this is this goes back to this planning of a cover crop treating it just like a cash crop mm -hmm. figuring this out figuring which what you're gonna plant what you're gonna do about weeds how you're gonna kill it in the spring uh, what you're gonna rotate with uh, all these things go in and then you got methods of planting like uh, it just we just talked about for erosion control where you just take a spreader I guess and just fling it out there and rehip your rows and roll them and you're able to plant in the spring I mean is that that a pretty good system or if you're just interested in erosion control oh yeah it's a very good system just you know treating everything or treating your cover crop like a crop is important but 
you know, we got to establish it in a cost-efficient manner mm-hmm. and to make this a, still beneficial and not cost us a lot of money out of pocket. Um, so, yeah, if you're doing your tillage and you have it, it broke down and you rehip it after you spread your cover crop and roll it, you want to have... You want your bed to be ready to plant in after you terminate your cover crop in the fall. Okay. Or in spring, I'm sorry. Or in the spring, yeah, okay. Well, <clears throat> and if you're if you're more interested in soil health, if that's your goal, then you start looking at some of your mixes, which cost a little bit more. And you may or may not want to drill them, I guess. If you drill them, you can plant a little bit less amount. It, you know, with broadcast, depth of incorporation is always iffy you know yeah. how deep did i get the seed um you can bury some of our cereals too deep pretty uh and especially any type of clover small seeded clovers yeah. so broadcasting some of those you could just about do it on top of the ground and still get a good seed so contact but if i was doing winter pea or something like that then you would winter peas pretty Be- cheap yeah. you know you, you need to put some soil on that to get a to get it to establish so you know it, it kind of comes back to what crop am i going to plant and that'll help dictate how i'm going mm-hmm. to incorporate the seed or sow the seed into the okay field. all right well just to kind of sum everything up you treat it as a just like you would a cash crop and that involves planting and the future crops, uh, how you're going to get it planted, your rates, what your purpose is. Purpose being probably a main, wouldn't you say that's probably your main objective? What's the purpose of the cover crop? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got that, and then that kind of leads into the species you're going to plant, whether it's straight or mixed or what. And then, of course, you, we've always got cost looming in the background because how many people want to spend 25 or $30 here when you just got through with harvest? You know, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. It is. And because you're not seeing any, it's not like you go out and spray uh, Roundup in three days, you come back and everything's dead or everything's supposed to be dead. You don't see cover, you you don't see the value necessarily <clears throat> in it right off the bat. It's it's more of a hidden value, I guess. Is that what, could you say that? Yeah, it's, it may not be it. That's obvious, you know, to you as harvesters and so putting it in the truck and taking it to the elevator, but they do have their place. They have their benefits are great. You know, anytime we can keep soil on the field, we keep the money in the field. Yeah. Um, and it does help with weed control. Now, with our late emerging pigweeds and stuff like that, or our broadleaves and even grasses, that's not a time of year you really want those things to go to seed and increase the seed banks so mm. anything we can do to stage cover crop timing planting timing with you know trying to take care of our broadleafs and tillage in the early fall we could probably find a good sweet spot there okay all right and you have here on the northeast research station i know you got between you and James Hendricks, y'all got cover crops scattered everywhere in different scenarios. Weed control, herbicide, termination. just termination y'all are planning into. And I think James, now James got some down there. He's, y'all are going on what, two or three years, three years, five years? I know five years. 
Number two. So see there, y'all have, so if somebody's got questions, they can, well, they can call one of us and we'll get them in touch with you. Uh, or they can call you or James or come by here, just come to the station and y'all can take them out and show them, pretty much answer most of their questions. Yes, we got plenty. You got plenty to show them. And plenty to show. And that's, uh, that's what we're looking for. And that's what the station's for. So, all right. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, we will talk again maybe when we, well, we'll have to terminate them in sometime in the spring. So we'll be talking about that again, too, and see what we can do with these cover crops. Thanks, right. Josh. Thanks, Mr. Dennis. All right. This is another interview on cover crops today. We're going to talk about economics now. I got Dr. Naveen Adesami Milley, too, from these LSU Ag Center economist, ag economist based out of Baton Rouge. He works with cover crops, conservation systems, not really sure what else. Known water resources, known Naveen for a good many years. Uh, he's very, very good at what he does. And, but he's got some really good numbers that they've come up with for cover crops to make some sense out of working with cover crops. Uh, Naveen, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Dennis. Okay, good deal. Um, and I may have messed up your last name, and if I did, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Tell us, That's all right. Naveen's good. Did, um, tell us what, what else you work with. I know I kind of hit a few things that I know of, but what else do you concentrate on? Well, I mean, I started uh, working mostly focusing on water resources, uh, policy, economics surrounding water resource management. But then, at the same time, you got to quickly learn all our natural resources are connected, the soil, the water, the water quality, quantity. So it did not make any sense to leave out any of the soil conservation practices. So I've, I've worked now... My work includes both soil and water conservation practices, the policies surrounding it, and then we work very closely with NRCS uh, in looking at their EQIP and CSP programs and uh, what are the cost share incentives that are out there for each one of those programs and how we can maximize the cost share assistance that we can bring to our farmers in the state and if those practices are not in the list, how can we make a case to include some of those programs that would make sense for our state agriculture? I mean, sometimes practices get pulled out because because of some of the data that is coming from different states, but uh, it might make more sense for those practices to be in our state. So we, we try to provide numbers, justify with the science and the results behind it, and uh, so that's, that's briefly about what I do, Dennis. Okay. Well, you're a busy, you're a busy guy. I mean, you cover a lot of things when you get into government programs and water and natural resources. When And cover crops fit into this perfectly. There's a huge cover crop movement in the, in the last few years in the United States through NRCS with EQIP, CSP, and it's really soil health is a big catch word and sustainability, all this goes together. And I know you and I had a conversation, I guess it was last week, about short-term returns. Now, we know, we all know, cover crops are great. You plant them, soil health, they improve soil health, everything gets better, you know, but it's a long-term thing. You don't see, as in the past, you never really saw a true economic return quickly. Uh, but what you and I were talking about and the numbers you gave me were, were good about short-term 
you know, I got to stay in business long enough to benefit from the long term effects. Tell us right. about what you came up with short term wise. So let me let me give you a brief uh, background on that as well. So all these numbers that we estimate are coming from our state. So our agronomist working with LSU Ag Center and some of our farmers who have are doing cover crops on their own, when we talk to them and get some of the yield numbers, then we put our flair on how to estimate the net returns from some of these conservation practices. So for example, we have a few of our agronomists where they put in cover crops on corn and they try to evaluate uh, would that provide any fertilizer benefits. So some of that work is looking at adjusting the fertilizer applications along with cover crops. But again, research-wise, that is uh, that is good, but uh, can we make the same kind of a recommendation for an aggressive deduction fertilizer use? May or may not be. But uh, our, our work comes from looking at the yield and then trying to play what is called a sensitivity analysis with fertilizer use. We don't want our farmers to reduce 100 pounds or we cannot recommend such a, or we cannot make such a recommendation. So we say, okay, 5 pounds or 5%, 10% or 10 pounds, something in that range. So, for example, if uh, looking at the strictly economics on just having cover crops in corn and doing uh, conventional tillage, because I say that uh, because there's, again, a similar push for conservation tillage. I mean, not necessarily no-till, but reduced till or mulch-till, residue management, all falls into that conservation tillage practices. But numbers-wise, what we've looked at is in a conventional till system, the net return, so this is net uh, minus any cost savings with respect to fertilizer use and any cost additions with respect to uh, management of the cover crops, we come up at $19 an acre. And uh, that is a number we can strongly stand by saying, yes, if a farmer puts on cover crops, takes up those costs, and uh, modifies slightly with respect to fertilizer use, they're looking at about $19 an acre in net returns in conventional till system. Well, that's, that's great because... I was talking to one of my growers uh, one day this week. We were talking about he wants to do some cover crop. He signed up so in CSP. He wants to do some cover crops. He wants to start slow. <clears throat> so mainly what we were looking at first was, and, um, and I talked to James, James Hendricks, who does cover crops here on the station also. We were talking with him, and he, we were looking at he would go in, He's going to harvest his corn, his cotton or beans, whichever fields he's got it in. And he was going to broadcast his uh, cover crop seed, which would basically be a cereal, maybe with a little legume mixed in, depending on the following crop. And then just rehip the beds and roll them. And that was his plan. And then just plant that next year. So that's kind of what you're looking at as far as a conventional tillage system or minimum till system. That, that, that is correct. I mean, and, uh, and and the reason I pointed out that is uh, when we have these EQIP or CSP programs, there is a cautious resistance for each one of those practices. So when we are asking our farmers to do cover crops or any of the conservation tillage, we also want them, the farmers, to account for 
if they qualify for those payments, that amount of cost share is an additional revenue for them. Mm-hmm. But in our estimates, we kind of shied away from not using them only because some farmers might like to participate, some might not, and some might qualify, some might not. Uh, so that's, that's strictly from using cover crops, using farmers' own money. Yeah, well, that's and that's what we're talking about because <clears throat> as Josh and I talked this morning, they asked a farmer in the middle of August, he's cutting corn, fixing cut beans and everything. Uh, he's in starting harvest, in the midst of harvest. You're asking him to spend 25 or $30 an acre to plant a cover crop. That's pretty tough. You know, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. But now if you're going to tell me that I do that, and then I'm going to get basically $19 back next year, then that makes sense. You know, I mean, I mean it becomes an investment, not just a practice, I guess. Right, and this $19 is coming from that uh, slight increase in the crop yield that we have seen in the results that were provided by our agronomist and then playing with fertilizer application amounts. But let me also quickly jump in and uh, add one more thing, Dennis. We have a few other folks that have also looked at the seed rate, low, medium, and high. How mm-hmm. much uh, how much seed rate should we use for cover crops? I've, but I'm no agronomist, so I'm not going to make that recommendation. My only concern is, okay, what are the net returns on a low, medium, and high seed rates for cover crops? And when we looked at that and combined that with, let's say, no-till, we're looking within the range from 13 to $29. And that mm-hmm. 13 is when farmers wanted to use a high seed rate. And 29 is when they are using a low seed rate. Again, we're not making any recommendations, but that range should give them a pretty good confidence in the net returns when they are using different kinds of seed rates. Okay. Well, that um, see, that's all good information because, and this is what, you and I talked about in the past, and Josh and I this morning, treating cover crops just like a regular cash crop. You're investing money in it, money in it and expecting to get a return out of it. And the numbers that you're coming up with, you know, a $19 return is pretty good. Absolutely. And I think you made a very good point. you got to treat it like any other crop because... If, if you're not properly managing it or you're not timely killing that cover crop, you, you probably, you might end up managing, I mean, you might end up coming back and spraying it again. So that's an additional cost. So each time we make that run on the field, that additional dollar. So when you treat it, when you treat the cover crop just like you're treating any other cash crop, absolutely, your numbers should be within this range. Okay. And, and make no mistake here, if, if there are NRCS programs and other programs that can help with the cost share assistance. So there is that little additional revenue that can mm-hmm. come in if, if you want to participate through that program as well. Yeah, and those are, they're pretty generous with them, you know, with the NRC. Well, NRCS is pretty generous with cover crops, CSP, and, you know, you have some guidelines you have to follow, but they're pretty generous. Right. Now, let me ask you, let me put you on the spot. Okay, I go out here, I'm, I'm a farmer, I go out and I plant these cover crops and I'm in, a, say, a corn-soybean rotation. 
And I know that in three to five years, I'm, I'm going to see benefits in soil health. Will my $19 that I'm getting from my corn, the return on my corn, in, say, three, three to five years, will that actually go up? data then it's like one was a three year research one was a two years and one one was two years and multiple locations multiple replications so again we're seeing a slight increase in yield with respect mm-hmm. to uh, I mean with respect to that cash crop but at the same time make no mistake your soil is becoming more productive and you would have a chance to better evaluate your fertilizer use and and I say that because Fertilizer and irrigation, or the fuel, those are number mm-hmm. one and two expenses on our farm. Oh, that's, yeah. that, that's no surprise. You look at the budget, that's where your majority of your money is going. So if you're trying to be, I would say, uh, diligent with using that cover crops, down the road you're looking at a much, much, much bigger number, I guess, mm-hmm. because these we are being very careful about not to overestimate because we don't want our farmers to yeah. well, to be in any doubt about these numbers. So he, these are the numbers we can stand by and say, absolutely, I'm okay. in 13 to $29. That's, that's, that's reasonable. Well, let me tell you, those are, that's, a good, that's a good return on investment because if you plant, uh, I know uh, some of the cover crop mixes are around $30, $35 an acre. And this, you know, that's just cost to plant them. And if you're going to get $19 back, you know, that you're going to get back, and then there are additional hidden benefits that you may not necessarily see, you know, all that stuff adds up pretty quick. I mean, whether $19 is above your expenses, so you're making $19, you're investing $35 and making it back plus $19, that's not a bad return on investment. Uh, True, and as as you said, you, you pointed out right, I mean, there are, other hidden benefits that that we call them non-tangible, so we, we we might not accurately account for them, but it's okay. But these are these are strictly from the yield and the fertilizer changes, and mm-hmm. again, uh, and uh, and the cost that we have. So when when you spoke to Josh this morning or yesterday, uh, he might have mentioned about the cover crop cost calculator that uh, James Hendricks, Josh, and I put together, is to give an understanding of how much. And RCS payments mm-hmm. are available, and how much would it cost for the cover crop seed, manage it, and terminate it, and that kind of gives you a rough estimate. And we are comparing that against an RCS program. So, yeah. what am I, What is the amount that is available, and what is it that is would cost for a farmer to put that cover crop? And all these tools are just to provide them that ex ante, the before decision making information, mm-hmm. so that they can go in and say, okay. Should I or should I not? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, he didn't, Josh didn't mention I was going to ask you about it. I knew you had it. I've looked at it and used it. I mean, it's a good, it's a good tool, and you've got some good information. And you've got some fact sheets, I think, coming out with some of this economic data in the next few weeks. No, absolutely. And um, I was actually working on it today, and uh, we were trying to put those numbers and back them up with where we got them and direct them to appropriate locations whoever want to again get okay. more information so yes uh, you should you should probably see these short-term returns economics in probably 
one or two weeks, I guess. Okay, great. That's great. And you can always say you heard it here first, you know, from the man himself. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, and you've got also, you just started, I know this summer, sometime this early this summer, you started a conservation newsletter, conservation economics newsletter. That is correct. Uh, so we, we, we haven't, uh, we, we recently hired uh, uh, in the ag economics department another production economist to assist what uh, Dr. Guidry was doing previously in the department. So now, so he and I thought it would be good to provide conservation and uh, some commodity updates to our farmers. And again, I mean, it's okay if you read it twice, but uh, saying it twice, the right thing, it doesn't hurt. So we mm-hmm. thought Mike Delaberto has a newsletter and uh, uh, which is commodity focused and uh, Lawson Connor, uh, the other production economist in our department and I are putting out this monthly newsletter focusing on conservation and how cover crops and conservation and uh, crop insurance is all tied up together. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I've I've seen it. I've read. Well, I've read yours because it comes to me and RL and Kylie. It all comes to all of us, and we we send it out over email to our email list, and uh, and I'm assuming it's available on the web if you want to go to the OSU Ag Center. That's correct. It is. You know, so uh, this is all great information. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, you know, there are some buzzwords these days: sustainability, uh, renewability. Uh, you know. Regenerative agriculture. There are all these buzzwords, catchwords, and cover crops, conservation tillage. All those fit into those, or as a part of them. And the more information we can have to help farmers, uh, to give them ideas, tools to use, uh, the better off they can, the better they can do, and the better you know, the better we can help them. Absolutely, I agree. Anything else you want to mention before we go? appreciate it and um, we're uh, we'll get you on maybe next spring and we'll talk more about cover crops and whatever whatever else and anything you got that you need to that you think our clientele need to know just call us and we'll put you out there we'll put it on all right those are good interviews didn't you think so yes very good well good i think naveen answered the question i proposed there at the beginning yep he uh Nineteen dollars an acre back to you is a good is a good. It's not a cost. It's not that's an investment. Cover crops make. I mean, it's for corn. You know, cover crops. If you invest in cover crops, and time you get your money back for your expenses and make nineteen dollars, that's not a bad return. You're right. You know, I know uh, some folks have been kind of fell out with them a couple of years because they had trouble, you know, destroying the cover crops and all of that. But yet you and I both have seen producers that have started planting a little bit into the green with just as good a results. Yep. There's a bunch of stuff, uh, bunch of stuff, different ways going on, different mixes. Um, Josh Copes has got him and James Hendricks here on the station. They've got, Multitude of cover crops. Uh, I know James planted a, a big trial yesterday or day before yesterday uh, here on the station. Actually, it's on the road, so you'll be able to watch it this winter. They did All a right. bunch, of, bunch. They did some 
fall crops, crops that will grow this fall. And then, of course, they've got traditional overwintering cover crops. And they did it, I think he had, uh, they drilled, they did it two tillage. One is they broadcast them and, and scratched them in. And then the other way, they drilled all of them. And okay. I think that's what it, I think that's what he told me his treatments were. But it's a big trial. It'll be really good to look at. Um, maybe he'll get a rain this weekend, get them all up next week, uh, and get them growing. Uh, but it is a, it'll be right on the road where you can watch it all winter. Let's put it like that. All right. But That'd be they, good. They've also got uh, crop rotations, herbicide trials. Between him and Josh, they've got a whole lot to look at here at the Northeast Station. So if anybody's got questions, y'all come here. Uh, come call one of us. Me, Kylie, Mariel, call us. We'll put you in touch with them. And y'all can come look and see what they're doing. They're doing some really good work. Yeah, like we tell them all the time, that station is not our station. It's their station. It is. And um, and it's that's what it's here for. So we don't have a question of the week, do we? No, no. We've all been kind of scattered this week. and haven't had a chance to sit down and think about it. Other unless somebody wants to call any. We start a pool on uh, yield corn yields. Well, that might we have to do something. I don't, well, I don't have anything. I'm I'm like you. It, it's been seem like we're just running every which way this week. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll I guess we'll just we'll go with the two interviews and say, well, we we spread enough good good information. I hope for this week. Yeah, well, you know, enough information in one setting is all they can handle. All right, well, y'all look. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just sign off now. Look, be sure if you got an idea, if you got a question, send it to one of us. Uh, comments on the podcast, we, we'll take any and all comments, good or bad. We, we want to know how well we're doing. If you're listening, uh, subscribe to us. Um, keep on the lookout. Subscribe to our Twitter feed. Uh, you'll see the podcast come up on it. The video will come out uh, with a link to it on it. We've already got one on Bill Bucks from last week. So uh, kind of let us know how we're doing. Yeah, and hey, you know, call in and tell us how your yields are coming. We don't need to, we, you know, we don't need names. We just kind of like know how the corn's yielding, how the beans are yielding as you could. Just drop mm-hmm. us a line. Let us know what how the yields are turning out. Yep. All right, sounds good. Well, y'all stay with us, and we'll see you next week. Or The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.